This is Journey with Care. We're in our series, The Flavors of Care. In a world where trust and security hold paramount importance, a distinctive individual emerges who embodies the very essence of loyalty and steadfastness. The Loyalist, also known as the Enneagram Type 6. The Loyalist stands as an unwavering bastion of commitment and dedication, navigating the complexities of life with a vigilant eye and a heart brimming with faith. Their ability to anticipate potential challenges and prepare for every eventuality reflects their profound sense of responsibility and protective instincts. Beneath their loyal exterior lies a treasure trove of intricate emotions and a deep-rooted concern for the well-being of their inner circle. The unique blend of loyalty and vigilance they possess draws others towards them, fostering an interwoven network of trust and camaraderie. While their dedication to others is undeniable, the loyalist recognizes the significance of nurturing their own sense of security and managing their fears. This realization empowers them to strike a balance between self-preservation and their innate inclination to provide steadfast support to those they hold dear. In the presence of the loyalist, one experiences a sense of stability and a safe harbor in which to explore their vulnerabilities. Their genuine care and steadfastness serve as a guiding light, encouraging personal growth and offering a sanctuary for open expression. Today, we are reaching out to our Enneagram 6 and loyalist friend in Florida, Courtney Ross. This is a thought-provoking discussion that will help us all to unravel the loyalists and the impact they bestow upon us. So let's get curious and let's start the conversation. Welcome to Journey with Care. We are excited to be continuing our series of Flavors with Care. And today we are going to be diving into the Enneagram 6 also known as The Loyalist. And with me here in studio, I have Courtney Ross. Now, I know Courtney through Care Portal. Uh, Courtney comes from Florida, Tampa Bay region in Florida. She is also an excellent trainer of other leaders across North America. So good to have you here. I know you and I have talked about these different personality types to the nth degree and I couldn't ask for a better person to represent the loyalists than you, Courtney. Uh, but before we get started, I just want to ask you a question. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Both. This has changed in recent years. I am now gluten-free and dairy-free thanks to aging in general. And so, <laughs> um, and so, So Delicious makes a cookie dough ice cream that I can have. And so it is now my very favorite. I'm actually now at a place of just being grateful for it. Okay, so internally, I'm chuckling a lot here because in the intro, if, if those of you who haven't uh, listened to the intro, I encourage you to to get the overview in the, the episode one of this series. I suggested that the Enneagram 6, the loyalists, would probably be gluten-free, nut-free, dairy-free because they want to be very cautious. <laughs> I did not know this about you. Prophesied. Yep. <laughs> well, let's talk about the loyalist. Tell me a little bit of what you know. What is it like to be wired in your way? Um, how would you describe yourself and your your worldview? Yeah, I think being loyal to others and being others centered is a lot of the wiring that I have. Um, but my approach and my motivation to a lot of things is 
preparation centered. And a lot of that is so I can, that's my way of serving others well, basically. So if I can kind of go out ahead of a lot of things and serve others by solving what I perceive to be their problems, which honestly is obnoxious a lot of the time. (laughs) A lot of my friends and I laugh because we say that the question that plagues the six is what if, right? And so if I can not only solve the what if on my behalf, but I can solve it on behalf of those that I love the most, then that, in my viewpoint, is how I can love them and serve them. And I love uh, meeting up with you at our, our leadership meetings in the U.S., And when we stayed in Airbnb together, I can attest to this. Your suitcases have hangers. They've got Band-Aids. They've got umbrellas. They have shoes for every occasion. You're thinking of everything. You're just like this, how do you call it, this this little Swiss Army knife with stuff in your suitcase. You've got it all. I just need to sit beside you. And I've I've got snacks covered. I I have sensory needs covered. You really do (laughs) think of it all. Yes. It gives me such joy when people say like, hey, do you have Advil? I'm like, oh, I have Advil. I have a leave. I have. It makes me so happy to meet those needs. And because it, I know I haven't wasted my time, right? Like right. I thought of what if and I have it. And so that like I am so happy to meet those needs because otherwise I'm just sort of a crazy person. Right. And so, well, I want, I want to take you on a, a backpacking trip with me sometime. And I bet you if I would break my leg, you would cast it for me. You would have it all there. <laughs> exactly. Although you, you might need my spontaneity and my I'm more of a let's just do it anyway. You're overthinking things sometimes. And so it, it's nice to have those balances, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Because I would say, hey, my backpack's the size of my car. And you would say, hey, you're fine. We can do this together. <laughs> Seriously, when you go go on a trip, how much do you pack? My suitcase is I mean, it's the largest one I could find. Yeah, it's massive. Yep. You know, it's you massive. know what I travel with, right? I do. It's the personal <laughs> size. It's not even the carry-on size. I'm like, how much more could I need for five days? And I'm so impressed by it. <laughs> like, it's so impressive. And then to I me. depend on you. So tell me, Courtney, can you share a little bit about your personal journey to discovering this natural flavor that you found? Have you always known you kind of were a loyalist and leaned into this, or did you kind of break into your natural? self. What was that journey like? I love this question because it was such a learning process for me, actually. Um, So several years ago, I was doing all the things, right? Because that's what we're raised to do. I was born and raised in the church. Um, I was running women's ministry. I was running children's ministry. I wasn't even paid by the church to do all those things. I was teaching. I was all, all the things in the whole world. Do you think that we're actually conditioned as women in the church to be twos, to be helpers. That's the gold star, right? Until we look into the shadow of it. <laughs> Literally, that's exactly right. Yes. And um, and so I was doing all, all the things. And um, I, I started actually to what I just fall into what I thought was a really deep depression. But I still was like, oh, I have to maintain all of the things for all of the people. Mm. And what ended up, I, I saw several doctors and they all told me, that it was like a medical grade burnout, like that I was juggling so many things. And so in his incredibly tender and sovereign way, God kind of arranged it. So my husband's job at the time had him go to France, go to Paris to, to work. And we got myself a ticket as well. And I just spent a few weeks on a balcony in France 
I mean, God obviously knew about me that if he didn't take me away from all of it, I would never stop any of it. Right. And so I I had to do such deep self-reflection and come to a place of seeing. I actually, so I took The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper, which is an amazing book. Um, and she talks a little bit about the Enneagram. And then I took the book, The Sacred Enneagram by Christopher Hertz. And I don't know why I took that book, but it was like, hey, I, I need some help to figure out who I am. And this is the tool that you can yeah. help to do that. And I got to this sentence that talked about like when a six is feeling unsafe, then they will start to build their own structures to find mm. their own safety. And I just wept. Because I realized that even though I loved Jesus so much, I had built all of these things that were so dependent on me because I felt mm-hmm. so unsafe. And I took the Enneagram. I actually have my scores from like 2018. I scored highest in a two by far. And then I scored highest in a nine. And then I scored highest in a six, but it was tied with a four. And then like it was so indicative of being a six. I, it took me months to arrive at that sentence actually and, and realize I have built structures that are for my own safety, even though they serve others and they serve the Lord and they serve, they're actually because So I'm what afraid. did those structures look like in a practical way day to day? Yeah, I built a, an, an entire, on accident, totally on accident, a kid's ministry that couldn't function without me. I built a women's ministry that couldn't function without me. I built all these things where if I was needed enough, then I was safe in those relationships because they need me. Yeah. And so they're going to text me every day. They're going to call me all the time. They're going to all these things. And so what I realized, which the Enneagram, I think, makes so many people realize is that my motivation was not what I thought Uh, it was. So sitting on that balcony in France helped you realize, okay, this isn't sustainable. I can't go on in these structures that I have built for myself. Who I think I am isn't working for me. Yeah, I had to confront how much of my life was fear-based, mm-hmm. which then takes us back to that TBRI principle, right, of felt safety. It looked like I was so very secure, and I should have been secure, and it looked like I was so safe, and I should have been safe, but I didn't feel safe. And so, so much of my life was built around that idea of trying well, to Well, I feel think you safe. raise a really good point there because what people look at is the behavior. What we often look at is our behavior. Does it look right? Are we doing the right things? Are we behaving in a conditioned way that is rewarded for myself or for others. But what we're looking at here isn't our behavior. It's looking at the core motivations at our heart, which is so what God is looking at, right? Are we doing it out of love or are we doing it out of fear? Wow. And trust TBRI uh, stands for Trust-Based Relational Intervention. It is something that Care Impact is all about. Uh, Our team is trained in it, and uh, we also train others in it through our academy which is what you're trained in as well. So I encourage our listeners to to check more information about that. There's some really good resources, really blending neurology, neuroscience with theology. It's when when science catches up with God and it's just it just helps us understand how God created us. So that's really interesting. And how does being a loyalist serve others well? What what are the the positive strengths that you have seen as you've leaned into who God created you to be? Um, How does that show up in community? How does it serve well? Yeah, part of that journey was just healing from that. I had to resign from everything, heal, and then come back to the table with my motivation needs to be serving the Lord with what I do. And so I'm constantly analyzing 
is this to sustain me or is this to sustain the Lord and his work and his kingdom, right? And so part of that motivation then is that I call it watchtowering. Mm-hmm. I like it better than troubleshooting. And so when I'm when I'm working on a team and when I'm working on all of these things, I think a lot of what I at least was taught a lot of my life is anxiety. And there's certainly a lot of anxiety about that or even pessimism. And there's certainly some pessimism involved sometimes. But a six's strength is that watchtower, right? Because out of our loyalty and love of others, we want to make sure that as much can go right as possible. And so as a part of that team, and you and I even kind of covered, like, how would we work together in, in some circumstances? Part of mine would be like, hey, if we run out of water on a camp trip, what are four other sites where we can get water? Because I don't want to go thirsty, but I actually really don't want you to go thirsty. So part of serving others well as a six and as a loyalist is that troubleshooting personality of, hey, I'm going to go out ahead. I really want the road to be as smooth for you as possible. And so I have to balance within myself what is pessimism, what is anxiety, and then what is the watchtower is out of service to you. My motivation is to love you well. And to love you well, I'm going to say these couple of things and then maybe just bring a few things in my backpack to do Did that. Did you know that they actually tested a whole group of monkeys in Africa and they took out the ones that were watchtowers thinking they're just highly anxious beings. So we're going to take them out and see what happens to the whole bunch of monkeys. They came back a couple years later and they were all dead. The The actual, <laughs> I know this is kind of a tragic story. <laughs> However, what looks like anxiety and the, the ones that are always watching their back and the backs of other people and always vigilant, right? They, they're finding it actually is for the well-being of the ecosystem. We always need some watchtowers. We always need people to be looking out. They're just naturally wired. Of course, you probably always have to put in check, like, is this anxiety-driven or am I just simply being me and seeing things that other people take for granted and they're going to walk off a cliff if I don't look, right? But it <laughs> actually, it, it taught me a lot. I'm like, I am so not that. I kind of just wing it as I go. I'm very trusting. And I'm like, we'll we'll make the right decisions. And and honestly, I could get, in my my type, I could get people through a storm. I will be that safe person that will take forward and, and, and keep people safe. However, I need somebody in the back being a watchtower so that I don't I don't look for the things that you look for. So I think that's beautiful. And how have you been using that in your role with Care Portal? I love that question. I think so part of this journey for me has been um, in some ways deconstructing what has been told to me are our negative traits. And instead realizing this is how God has designed me and it is a strength. And so even reminding some people, hey, the sixes of this office have something valuable. It may seem like a downer that we're saying, hey, this is a great vision, but it's going to need these details to work. Or this is awesome, but the field is going to struggle with this, this and this. I feel like it brings some balance to some really awesome God-driven vision mm-hmm. sometimes. And even it's taught me to rest in, in who God made me, that this isn't just a bunch of anxiety and pessimism. It is when, when the Enneagram numbers work together in tandem and as a team, then there has to be like that, those eights and those, you know, who say, this is the vision, we're going after it, the sevens who bring the energy to it, the 
you know, all these things. And then the sixes who bring a little balance to say, gosh, you guys, this is awesome. Have we thought about these four things, though? And can we problem solve for it? So it brings some depth and some detail and some planning to make something more sustainable and and go farther. And I see this loyalist worldview as true leadership. It's not just like filling in the cracks and saying, like watching and, and sort of being a follower. I have seen you lean into this with leadership in, in health. In let's talk a little bit about the training that you have implemented in the state of Florida. You require people to be trained if they're going to be responding to needs in the community. You had already the foresight to do this, which is actually leading North America in a training process. I know you're part of a bigger team and all, but but really you were the forerunner of that. That's true leadership. Can you tell me a little bit about what that training looks like? Because we're bringing that to Canada. We're so excited. <laughs> yeah, I and, and even that, right, was was so much out of that six perspective of the the motivation of loyalty of if we're going to go to the doorstep of the very most vulnerable, what if we do more harm mm-hmm. than good on accident, right? So again, that watchtower, but out of love. And so then it was an, an idea of, well, then let's just learn. Let's just learn how to do it well. Mm. That's not, it's more work on our end, but it's worth it. Um, and and what has come out of that is is more than we could have ever asked or imagined. We now are up to like 640 or so trained church responders who know about child welfare, who know about poverty where they live, who know about trauma-informed practices, and who are wrapping around families in ways that we could have never foreseen. But it came from a place of how can we wrap around and protect the families from church responders who have good intentions, but maybe poor execution because they just don't know any better. So again, that like, what if this goes wrong? Let's put something in place to prevent that. And it just grew in such God-driven ways. And we'll have other personality types that will be drivers of, let's get more churches involved. Let's get more responders. And you're saying, okay, let's balance that with some training. Let's, Let's not just go gangbuster and to the detriment of our community with behaviors or practices or worldviews that are detrimental. But let's let's balance that with good practices, and which is why I think we resonate well with you here in Canada. And you, you've always got a place with us at our table here, Courtney, because our academy is set up for that. We said, even before we started the care portal in Canada, we said, if we're going to bring people to the doorstep, we also have to do due diligence to do the training and to equip the churches to succeed. And I think that's beautiful. Have you seen places, are you cautious in areas of your life as you do a lot of deep reflection? And I love that you're an open book. Um, you have to be cautious of for yourself where you act out in unhealth or things that are sort of red flags where it isn't healthy for the community if you're not in a good space. What does that look like? So... Thankfully, I I have come to a place of realizing there are some personal reflections of unhealth before I get to a place of community unhealth. Um, usually, I I tend to be pretty gracious towards others. If I get to a place of harshness mm-hmm. with others, um, I've put people in place who have permission to call that out at me and say, "Hey, you're acting with harshness where you usually respond with grace. You need to take a step back and examine all of those things." in a six that reflect unhealth. 
And then I can say, oh, I need, and that goes back right to what is my motivation? What is the, all of these um, things that in the past I've learned the hard way is mm. unhealth. Um, and so I usually start there. However, at a more community level, if I'm starting to be inflexible, then so if a church comes to me and say, we have this idea, if I'm like, oh, no, then I usually have to call back and say, hey, I'm so sorry for my attitude of inflexibility. This does not belong to me. It belongs mm. to you as your church's ministry. Um, and so I repent of that attitude and let's talk through your idea and figure out how to make it work for your So that church. watchtower loyalist can really become more rigid referee, like black and white. Yeah. This is the way it is. Let's go, go. <laughs> okay, interesting. Right, yeah, the more control I have, then the more safe I feel. And so inflexibility is usually an outward reflection Interesting, of yeah. And so in that time of unhealth, what are you fearing the most? As a loyalist, what are those inner fears that arise that make you inflexible? You know, it's so fascinating about being a six and, and so many different um, people have touched on this is how much conundrum that sixes live in. Right. And so it's both a fear of everything and nothing. And it's a fear of like, I don't know that many sixes can exactly pin down. There's just an abundance of fear. So there's so many contrasts and things in the six that are both true and untrue at the same time. Like we we seek authority and we hate authority. Mm. We like all at the same time, they're all true. And so it's a question of like, well, what is six, you know, super afraid of? Well, we just have fear. We just have anxiety. I don't know if there's a specific fear. And, you know, could it, it's possible there's a fear of being alone. And then at the same time, I love being alone. <laughs> so it's this like constant like so. It, it's really difficult to identify. It's just almost like fear of being afraid, which is contradictory. So in the Bible, when God talks about fear not, and fear is a, a prominent theme of in casting anxiety on the Lord and fear not, how does that speak to a loyalist? What does that mean to you? How do you process that? Well, so that that becomes actually the way that so many churches teach that do not does not include the mental health part of what that looks like. So that is um, actually in some ways a little triggering for me. Like that, it's not an inclusive way of teaching it to what it actually. I love looks that. Let's like go there people. because I think actually mental health is a theme that we talk about, and sometimes we can spiritually bypass. So that's part of my question, actually. So we're on the same vein here. Uh, what does it mean? to fear not in in scripture being honest true to scripture however a reflection of who we are and how we're wired i'm really curious how do you balance that as a 6 so i one of the ways that i interpret that is again god has wired me to watch tower not to necessarily be afraid all mm -hmm. of the time and so the way that i imagine um, God as a caring and loving father is saying, I'm inviting you into a place of not being afraid, but I know it's hard. And so one of the things that has been a struggle for me and has now almost become triggering is that the way so many churches teach a lot of those passages on fear not and do not be it's anxious for nothing. Right? So dismissive. And then it also avoids so many mental health issues that many people cannot right. actually help. You know, and so that um, I, I struggle with the teaching of those passages many times. But when I'm reading it, it does. I don't struggle with it at all because I know the the heart of God has wired me in a certain way for a purpose. 
And so um, he's he's inviting me into deeper into himself, deeper deeper into relationship with himself, um, which is a place that is fear. What I love about what you're just saying here is that there's space in God to express those fears, to have anxieties, that that's not too much for him, that he is that place of safety. He's home for those things that we bring, and that in him, there's room for that, and it can be held there. It doesn't mean that we are void of those things that we we have to deal with. That's a really good answer. I've never asked that before, but it's it's been something that I I know in I, in our family, we work through anxiety and those things. And I've had a lot of different spiritual bypassing and, and things. And, and I'm like, but when you walk through it, God is in all of that. It, it's not too much for him. We don't have to come cleaned up and totally like Zen-like, you know? I think the idea of being known makes such a difference. When, when I read the passage written from the God who knows me, there's safety. Yes. Um, when churches teach that, it's not safe because they don't know. So often they yeah. don't know. And I think we could probably go through each type and look at the same question. Maybe maybe it's not fear, but maybe it's another way. And yet know that we're not too much for God in how he's created us. These are all parts of us, parts of the body of Christ that have a place. And we are all human and we are all uh, gifted and, and there's there's a place for all of that. So thank you so much for being honest. So how would you say that people um, in the church or in the community could care for you? I know there's a personal question because not every Enneagram 6 or loyalist will respond in the same way. But what does it mean to care for Courtney in a, a very meaningful way? So I think many sixes, this is going to sound so funny, but many sixes appreciate being fully informed, because otherwise we're going to fill the gaps in ourselves, right? So if we are watchtowering, if we are trying to look ahead and answer what if, if people in general have that information, so especially in a, in a workplace environment, um, if we're fully informed, then we have so many less gaps to fill in. And so that's a really practical mm-hmm. way to care for us well is to say, here's all the information we have. Here you go. And, and there's actually safety in information. And, and it's less esoteric than most people think about when they yeah. think about safety. There's comfort in saying, okay, I know all there is to know into the situation we're walking into, and I can rest in that. And so that's usually an excellent way to serve a six. And then because a six is wanting to serve the others, because again, our, our foundational motivation is loyalty, Providing the felt safety of choice is really, really appreciated. Mm. So saying, like, I see and appreciate that you want to serve me, but I also see and appreciate that you have needs. So what are they? The people in my life, we've come to a place of just speaking in terms of our needs. I have a need for this. Okay, I have a need for this. Let's reconcile them both together. Um, and just being so blatant about that, because otherwise I'm going to try really hard to watchtower other person's needs and then meet them until I'm pretty right. empty. And so we we are pretty blatant about need-based conversation. That's really good. Is there any advice or key takeaways for other people that resonate with your story or really feel like an affinity to what you're saying? Um, 
Yeah, I would I would say, especially people who may have been like may have grown up in the church or or raised in a certain way. I think there are, are personality traits to an Enneagram six that we have been told are negative when in fact it's the way that we were designed to serve others and to glorify God, even if it's not the way that maybe a two mm-hmm. looks, right? An Enneagram two looks. And so things like being anxious, I would say balance your anxiety, mm-hmm. right? But find the positive in some of those things. Like you have been designed to be a watchtower. That is not pessimism. That is not anxiety. That's a strength. Um, and I've had to sit down with people and say, hey, this is the way that God's made me. I'm not trying to find faults with your plan. I'm leaning into the strengths God has given me. I'm here to balance some of the things that you've done. That's okay. And learning how to find, to lend a voice to the way that God is I was going to ask you, like, was, was it a process to even find your voice in that, to have the courage to speak up? Because then you're really putting your foot in the ground saying, this isn't all bad. I need to speak up. For the well-being of others. Literally that. And then I've also learned as a way to serve others to say, do you have capacity for me to come to you with this right now? Especially some like even like Enneagram sevens who don't really love what they view as pessimism. Mm -hmm. Right. So to say, I have a few things to talk to you about. They're not going to feel good to you. Do you have the capacity for me to come to you with this? Or when do you? And that way it's giving them voice too. It's giving them a choice in it, but also not denying who God has created me to be, especially within a group setting. So let's setting. talk to the group setting now uh, for others that are not wired in the same way. Uh, do not share that same flavor of, of loyalist uh, mentality. Um, what advice or key takeaways should they be hearing from you at this point? I think a lot of sixes can can handle some honesty mm-hmm. more so than most. Like, even though it looks like we're very fearful, I would then say, if if what you're you're seeming to hear sounds like pessimism, sounds like being nitpicky, sounds like being any of those things, first try to acknowledge that this is not a mistake. This is the way that God has designed us to work alongside of others. Right? We were made mm-hmm. for community. This is how we're designed to work in community. And so that being said, I would stress gentleness because, again, um, you know, sixes are are fearful. But, you know, being pretty honest with, hey, I don't have the capacity to hear what you're saying right now, but I want to. Here's when I can. Going back to that information Mm -hmm. part, right? I value your input. I value the watchtowering that God has put inside of you. Can we talk about it tomorrow? Because today's been tough. And it comes across as pessimism to me. And so tomorrow would be great. Or something just that practical of of not leaving a six feeling so devalued, mm-hmm. right? The way that God, that idea of the way that God has made me has no place here is devastating. And so coming back to, no, you have value. It's just been a rough day. Can we do this tomorrow? It's fine. But acknowledging God has made so many different flavors to all work in tandem in community. Everyone brings something so important that works in tandem with someone else. I am really grateful that God brought you to France on that balcony and you discovered who you are in Christ and that you're actually living that out and doing that deep inner work. You are blessing so many people, including ourselves, including Canada. Thank you for being a loyalist. Thank you for being that voice. 
and and seeing the things that other people may overlook, but using it in a in a God honoring way. Courtney, we love you, and you're always welcome here in Canada. <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on our series, Flavors of Care. We will continue to celebrate the uniqueness of individuals and their ways of fitting into the community, sharing different perspectives and stories from different guests. We hope you'll join us and maybe you'll come out the other side learning a little bit more about yourself and those around you. And hey, just like ice cream, podcasts are so much more fun when shared with others. So share this series with a friend or family member and remember to visit our website, journeywithcare.ca to stay informed of upcoming podcast meetups, all the links, information on our guests, and so much more. Again, thank you for listening, and let's stay curious.